0: Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Well, hello, everybody. It is so good to be with you here today. My name is Dan, if we have not already met. I am so pumped that I have the opportunity to be able to share an encouragement with you here today. We are back into church at home. It's the 1st of May. Holy moly, where did the whole year already go? It's just flying by right now. And today I get to talk about one of my most favorite topics And that's about following Jesus. And uh, actually, more than just talking about a topic here today, we're actually starting, we're launching a brand new theme. And the theme is indeed called Following Jesus. And uh, effectively, what we're going to do is we're going to be walking through uh, the scriptures of the Gospel of John. And in many ways, we're going to make the, the word do all the work for us here today as we, as we read through the scriptures. And each week, we're going to look at uh, sections of scripture and going to look at the life of Jesus. And indeed, I guess, hopefully see a place where we can see transformation take place in our lives. I love reading the word of God. It is the book that when we read it, it reads us. And uh, my hope and my prayer is that we can do exactly what our vision talks about: that we can follow Jesus, we can become like Jesus and we can indeed do what Jesus did. And so starting off today, we're gonna look at John chapter one. If you've got your Bibles, it'll be a great chance to pull it out, especially if you've got a a physical version, pull it out. Um, If you're like me, I I highlight and I take notes and I I write things in. It'll be a great thing for this series as we walk through the book of John to dive into it. During the week, we're gonna put out posts um, via social media with key verses but each week, it'd even be a great thing for you and your family to sit down and perhaps read, commit to reading the chapter of what's going to be coming up uh, that we're going to discuss in the service uh, for that particular Sunday. And so we're going to have a great time. But before we do anything else, why don't we just jump into uh, John the 1. And I'm going to start in verse 35 here this morning and to give a bit of context to what's taking place. This is effectively the start of the movement of Christianity that we now know. This is Jesus has come. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. And he's now in this place where he's about to call the very first disciples, the disciples that will then go and follow him for the next uh, three years of ministry. And so let's look at the word here this morning. Uh, It says, the following day, John, again, this is John the Baptist. um, John was kind of the guy at the time. John was the guy that if he had Instagram in those days, he would have been trending. He would have been mega followed when it came to when he spoke, everyone was listening. And so John was the person that was placed on earth in many ways to point people to Jesus. And uh, my hope, my prayer is that we will indeed be a church. We'll be families. We'll be individuals just like John that would indeed point people to Jesus and that was what John, John was doing. And he says he was again standing by with two of his disciples. So to be, have disciples, that would imply that John was a rabbi. And a rabbi was a teacher of the time. And rabbis had two things. They had disciples, that was people that would follow him, that would become like him, and they'd do what he would do. But then secondly, he had a yoke. And the yoke was the teaching. The yoke was the way of life. It was the interpretation of scriptures that he would go and actually then share with the people around him. And his disciples indeed walked literally in the dust of his feet, meaning that they would become just like his disciple. So John was, was standing by with two of, the, of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John makes a statement that's so profound. And it's a huge statement. Because you've got to understand that in the context of the time, the Jews were waiting for a saviour. The Jews knew that for a long time, through the prophecies of all the Old Testament, that there was a saviour of the world that was going to be coming. And that would be known as the Lamb of God. And that lamb was not known as the lamb that was sacrificed in the temples, but indeed the lamb that was slain, the lamb that was, was talked about at the time of the Passover, when the Israelites had, uh, were leaving Egypt, and the Passover was obviously about that the blood was shed, and that the Saviour of the world indeed saved the Israelites during this time, and so John he comes and says and declares his words: "Look." And remember, he's really well known. He's really popular. And so when he spoke, people listened, said, look, there is the Lamb of God. This is the guy you've been waiting for. He's not just another prophet. He's not just another guy that's going to sound good. He is indeed the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the saviour of the world. He's the Lamb of God, John describes. And says so when John's two disciples heard this, it says that they followed him straight away. And again, in this series of following him, I want us to understand what contextually, when this was written, what it actually meant to follow him. Because when we understand the context, I actually think it can help us as people who are living in 2022 now, that we can actually find ourselves following Jesus just like it was originally intended. And If you give me a little bit of a chance here this morning, I want to go a bit nerdy on you guys. I want to go a bit of understanding of what it truly meant to follow Jesus. Now, here's the thing. When you were, when you were young, living up as a, growing up as a, a Jewish child, uh, you would go along to uh, basically the equivalent of a, Jew, uh, a Jewish primary school. And this Jewish primary school was called the Bet Sefer. Now, the Bet Sefer was a place where you would go and fall in love with the Torah. As a a young one growing up throughout the times, uh, it was common for for Jewish parents to teach the ways of the Torah, to encourage them, not just to to know them, but to actually love the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible. And you were raised to know, understand, and love the Torah. But again, when you came to the age of five or six, a bit similar to what we have here today in our world, where kids would then go to primary school, the kids would go to, to this place called the bet. Sephir. And the Betsephar literally means the house of the book. The house of the book. And this is where the Jewish children would learn the Torah in a greater way. They would learn and discover the first five books of the Bible even more. And here's the thing, that when they would walk into a classroom, what would happen is that the teacher of, this, of the, of the Betsephar, they would dip their uh, child's finger into honey. And then as the child would actually then lick the honey, these words were spoken over them and says, may the Torah be sweet to your soul, just like this honey. And so the children from a very young age, they had this understanding that this wasn't just religious law. This wasn't just a bunch of do's and don'ts, rather this was life-giving and this was indeed sweet for them. So, as a six-year-old, roughly through to the age of eleven or twelve, they would go through and they'd literally memorize the whole of the Torah, like the whole of the Torah, not just parts, the whole of the Torah. And uh, if you're anything like me, I've forgotten what I've had for breakfast this morning, let alone trying to memorize all of Leviticus. But they, this is what they did: they 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 went aside and they wanted to be able to practice the memorization of the whole Torah. It's incredible. And now you'll get to a point around the age of 12 when you would basically graduate from the Bet Sefer. And once you graduate from the Betsefa, you kind of forked off into one or two possibilities for yourself. Now, uh, if you were to do really well, you'd graduate to what we know to what we know as the Bet Talmud. The Bet Tau And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But if you didn't happen to be at the peak or the best of the best if you didn't quite complete your examinations and be able to memorize things very well and have the application and the understanding of others, you wouldn't actually pass with a a competency in order to go through to the Bet Talmud. And if you didn't, at the age of 12, if you didn't continue on, then you would go through and basically join your family trade. And this is where people like carpenters and fishermen, people that we read about in the Bible, lots of our disciples actually were fishermen, What happens is they would then go and join their family trade during that time. But if you won't go to family trade, you'd go through the bet mood. And the bet mood, understand this, um, not every child made it through the bet mood. They wouldn't just memorize the first five books of the Bible. They would go through and memorize the entire Old Testament. Word for word. They would know the entire Old Testament. They would literally set apart themselves for studying the Scriptures and knowing the Scriptures and and applying the Scriptures and and having understanding of them the whole time. And so this was a dedication from the age of 12 all the way to roughly 16 or 17 years of age where they would memorise and they would find themselves diving deep into the Scriptures. And it was incredible. The Bet Talmud, by chance, actually is known as the Habs. of learning. So it goes from the house of the book to the house of learning. And like I said, they would learn these 39 books off by heart. And here's the next thing. If you were good enough then at that stage, what would happen is that once you've completed the the Bet mood. You would then be uh, watched and examined and uh, a rabbi in the area, they would come and they would basically just spend time watching you and, and how your interpretations of scriptures were about. And then if, and only if, if a rabbi came to a place where it says, hey, I would like this person to come and join me, only then would you then be able to become a disciple because the rabbi would come and say, hey, I want you to come and follow me, follow me. And to follow them would mean that they would leave their homes, they would go and then follow, literally in the dust of their rabbi, and they would go and become just like their rabbi. They would apprentice to their rabbi, and they would know their rabbi intimately, they would know his teachings with the idea of them becoming one day a rabbi. So it was a massive deal for a rabbi to come and say, hey, I want you to come and follow me. This is what happens in verse thirty-seven. when Two of John's disciples they heard that that the Lamb of God was here, so they followed Jesus. I love it. John's not saying, "Hey, you don't want to follow me. I, I, I'm a good man, but you don't want to follow me. You want to follow Jesus." And church in our worlds, we want to do the same thing. We want to be pointing people, just like John the Baptist did, point people to Jesus, so that they may indeed follow Jesus. Verse 38 says, Jesus looked around and saw them following, and he asks a question to them. He asks the question and says, Hey, what do you want? And he doesn't say, Hey, what do you want as if they've been pests? He asks them, what, are they, what do they want? In other translations, it says, what are you seeking? And it's a question I ask of us today. As followers of Jesus, what are we seeking? What are we desiring? I've discovered that um, the answer to this question is important because what we are seeking, what we want, is often what we are willing to believe as well. Are we willing to believe that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords? Are we willing to believe that he is indeed the centre of our life? Are we willing to believe that he died and rose again for us? That He saved us from our sins. Are we willing to believe? And this are some questions that Jesus is asking the disciples of today. What do you want? And they replied... Rabbi, which means teacher, is where you staying? And it might seem like a bit of a funny question to have asked where are you staying? These guys weren't being creeps. They weren't kind of like saying, hey, you know we want to come and like heckle you, you know. What they'll saying is that when they said the words where are you staying?" it was actually them saying we are all in. because what they're declaring this time is that hey, we are willing to leave our homes. We are willing to lay down our lives, In the the book of Mark, it talks about the fact of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and talks about how you need to deny yourself. And by them saying, we are willing to be able to go on. Where you stay in, we are willing, we are wanting to go and basically be your followers now. They'll say, we are all in. And again, church, my hope and prayer is that we can indeed be all in followers of Jesus. All in. Verse 39 says, come and see. I love this response that Jesus gives. It's a really cool response, actually. And it's a response that we, as we point people to Jesus, I wonder if we can have that in our language as well, that we can indeed have this language of, hey, when we meet somebody who might want to know more about Jesus, but we might not necessarily have all the answers for them. a response and a great response is, hey, why don't you come and see? Why don't you come along to a church at home? Why don't you come along for coffee and we can talk more about it? Why don't you come to one of our Sunday services? Come and see Allow people to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord Jesus. He says, "Come and see," he said. For his, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went to be with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him for the rest of the day. And even that little bit of scripture, there, I, I kind of love it how Jesus had time for these two guys. These two guys were relatively; uh, they weren't necessarily known to Jesus. They are kind of strangers. And yet, Jesus, this is his heart, just like he says, Hey, welcome the children. Like, I'm wanting to know you, I'm wanting to spend time with you, I'm wanting for you to be known by me as well. And so he has this call and he spends time with them during that day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who had heard what John had said, and then he followed Jesus. Notice that it was the spoken word, and then they followed after him. Andrew went to find his brother, and I love this. He's like, I've discovered something. I've, I've had my eyes opened. Now I need to go and get someone else. I need to get, get my brother, the people that I love, so that they can indeed go and find Jesus as well. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. And again, my, my hope and my prayer is that if we've given our lives to Jesus, if we have declared him as the Lord and Savior, we too can have this sense where we have indeed found the Messiah verse 42, a couple more verses. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Now I love this. It's people bringing people, bringing people to come and meet Jesus. And again, I'd like to think that we can be a church moving forward, that we can indeed be individuals and families and communities that have a heartbeat to see people meeting Jesus and that we'll be a part of that. And he says, looking intently at Simon. And I love this. He wasn't I believe wasn't just looking at Simon; he's looking into Simon, because he's about to prophesy. He's about to speak something, words of life, into Simon Peter at, the, at this time. And he says, "Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will now be called Cephas, which means Peter, which actually means rock." And as we read through the rest of the the Gospels, we actually discover that Peter being a bit flipsy-flopsy, we've seen. Uh, quite impulsive, we see him being a a character that wasn't necessarily being defined as rock. But what Jesus is doing here, he's doing more than just renaming him. He's actually creating a new identity in him. And this is what he does in us. When we encounter Jesus, we don't just go from being out of the kingdom into the kingdom, we have a new identity. And Jesus, he comes and does this with Peter during this time, he declares him, you are indeed the rock, And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him these words, and these words I want to close on here today, these powerful, beautiful words, come and follow me. You know, in John 1, this is his invitation, come and follow me. If we look at one of the very last things that Jesus says, he's, he's died, he's risen again. In chapter 21, we hear about the fact that, again, he says, come and follow me, follow me. This is the, our invitation, church, to come and follow him. And I love the fact that contextually, originally, only the best of the best could be called disciples of Jesus. But what he does is that he makes a call. He says, hey, whosoever could call upon my name, they will be saved. They can become disciples. They can become followers of me. And my hope and my prayer, church, is that we'll indeed be a church that has this all-in attitude, has this approach that we know that he's indeed the Messiah and that we can also follow him. Maybe this morning you haven't given your life to Jesus. I want to encourage today, talk with your church at home leader about that. Today can be a day where you can rejoice and respond to this invitation of coming and following Jesus. It is the greatest thing that you will ever do. And again, I get excited about talking about following Jesus because I know the transformation that's taken place in my life. We might leave it there for for today. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading John 2. Certainly this week, dive into it. Um, Your chemist pastors will share and talk about it Um, when we're back in church, uh, church buildings, that is. And uh, love you and leave you. I hope you have a fantastic day. Enjoy some good food. we have got a few questions to chat about now. And I hope you have a fantastic week. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.